If you will, this morning, turn with me and the Word of God to our text this morning, which will be the first and fifth verses of Isaiah 6. It's Isaiah 6, 1 and 5. And they read as follows. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Then said I, verse 5, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this time that you have ordained that we meet together in thy name. O oh Lord, I pray for thy presence to be here mightily with us this day. O oh Lord, may you give us a vision, a vision of thee high and lifted up, a vision of thee, Lord, reigning, a vision of thee in thy holiness, that in that vision, Lord, you may reveal what we truly are and who we truly are in the sight of Thee, and in reality. Oh Lord, I pray at this hour that You would prepare the ground, that You would bring forth Thy everlasting gospel, that, you would, that Your name would be glorified and high and lifted up. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Proverbs, uh, in Proverbs 29.8, Solomon wrote, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's a true statement. The vision that came to Isaiah was a vision of Christ reigning. The vision that came to Isaiah produced another vision. That vision was first Isaiah was revealed Christ for who he was. And as he was revealed Christ for who he was, then he was revealed a vision of Himself. Who He was in the sight of God. Who He is without Christ. Who we are as a dependent creature. Who we are as a filthy creature. So this morning we're going to look at the text that I uh, read to you this morning. Um, but we're going to look at this chapter probably in its entirety depending on time. Um, so I want to just start right here at the beginning. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and His train filled the temple. The first thing we see is this vision of Christ is dated. Isaiah, at this time in his life, he had been a prophet in the cabinet of the king Uzziah. He had, he had served with Uzziah. They were cousins. And Isaiah was very, very close to Uzziah who reigned for 52 years. The book of Chronicles and the book of Kings both tell us he did what was right in the sight of God. But he had a tragic, tragic end to his life. As Uzziah at one point, wanted to, was waiting on the prophet to show up. He decided to bypass the priest and he offered a sacrifice to God. 
And he's not called to offer a sacrifice. And as the Lord struck him down with leprosy, he would be banished from the kingdom and his life would come to an end. But he and Isaiah were very close. And this was a very traumatic time in Isaiah's life. And I want you to first note that. That in one of the most trying times in the prophet's life, the Lord came to Isaiah and revealed Himself. He said, In the year that Uzziah died, he is now dead. He has been removed out of Isaiah's life. And simultaneously, when that person that he was dependent upon and who he was so close to was removed, the Lord in His preservation, in His great mercy, in His great grace, came to Isaiah and revealed Christ reigning. In our sorrow, in our times of hardship, in the times that we have here on earth that are very difficult for us, as the people of God, the Lord Jesus Christ reveals Himself as their burden bearer. He reveals Himself as the one who carries them. He is the one who lifts them up. He is the one who reveals to them that He is life. Isaiah tells us that it was in that year, it is the year that Uzziah passed off the scene, that this vision of Christ, and I do say Christ, it's not the Lord God. Jesus told us all throughout the New Testament that no man has ever seen God. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Jesus was the incarnation. Jesus was, Jesus is the manifestation of God in the Trinity. I and the Father are one. What Isaiah saw 700 years before Jesus would ever walk on the face of this earth was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw him reigning in his kingdom. He saw him reigning as king. He saw him high and lifted up. And don't miss that. He saw him high and lifted up over his situation. He saw him high and lifted up over the earthly king. He saw him high and lifted up over his sorrow. He saw Him high and lifted up over His purpose. And He saw Christ reigning. And He saw all the regalness that attended Christ. He saw the train filled the temple. He saw Him as a king like He had never seen Christ before. The heavens were open. The Lord had revealed Himself to Isaiah this way. And that is what we are in dire need of. We're in dire need of the Lord to come to us in this way to show us that in the year 2020 He is reigning. To show us this time over all of our sorrow, over all the things in the headlines, over all the things that scare us with viruses and potential new presidents and maybe even the thought of this president. Whatever it is that makes us trepidation in our souls, the Lord is reigning. The Lord is high and lifted up. But I want you to see how this happened. Isaiah was fixated on his situation. Isaiah was fixated on the sorrow. As I said, Isaiah was was a prophet in the king's house. 
That's all he had known. And now that king is gone. He, I'm sure he had those thoughts. What's going to become of me? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? And right at that moment, the Lord reveals himself as king. Reveals himself as the Lord of life, the Lord of glory, the Lord of providence, the Lord of everything in his life. And he saw him, he saw the supremacy of Christ in his life. Paul wrote in Hebrews 1 8, but unto the Son he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. This is appointed of the Father that His Son will reign over His kingdom. Christ is reigning today. Stephen, in the last moments of his life, he saw the Lord Jesus Christ as the heavens opened. He saw Christ standing ready to welcome Him into the kingdom of God. Because it was the end of Stephen's life. Stephen didn't see the rocks pelting him in the head. And Stephen didn't see all of them gnashing upon him. And Stephen didn't... He was translated to see the Lord. And he saw Him reigning. And he saw Him over that situation. And he saw Him to the point where the Lord moved him to pray for those in the crowd. And we know that one of them was Saul, the Apostle Paul, that was consenting unto his death. And the Lord had great mercy upon him that day. When Stephen cried out in the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ, forgive them, lay this not to their charge. That's seeing Christ. We can't pray for others. We can't love others. We can't put others above ourselves unless Christ is seen. Unless Christ is reigning. And that's the time in this time in Isaiah's life that the Lord Jesus Christ has revealed Himself as this great King. Paul also wrote in Philippians 2, 9-11, he said, Wherefore God also has highly exalted Him, speaking of Christ, and has given Him a name which is above every name. That's what He revealed to Isaiah. My name is greater than Uzziah's name. My name is greater than your name. My name is the name of all names. That's what the Lord reveals to His children. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. He is the Lord of lords. He is the King of kings to the glory of the Father. This is what the Father has ordained. That His Son is a ruling King over all of the needs of His people. A King, a benevolent King who gives abundantly. A King who watches out for His people. A King who reigns in a kingdom that is greater than any earthly kingdom. A kingdom that has more power than any earthly kingdom. A kingdom that has more power than the power that lies within us. That power of self. And that's what you're going to see as this chapter unfolds. So as Isaiah is revealed to him the reigning king, all of a sudden someone or something burst on the scene here in verse 2. Above it stood the seraphims. The only time in the Word of God these, this word is used is right here 
and Isaiah. Most people think they're angels, but they're not. They're, 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 they're synonymous with cherubims. They're synonymous with the angels mentioned in the, to the churches in Revelation. They're synonymous. They're the same one, the same vision given to John in Revelation 4 of the beast. Same vision. What are they? They're simply messengers of the gospel. You and I today need messengers of the gospel. We need to hear. Paul said that. How will they know if there's no preacher to preach the word to them? They need to hear. These messengers now have stood. And, but, but I want you to see something about the messengers. We are never, never to exalt the messengers. The messengers never exalted themselves. Look at them. They stood, and it, and it stood above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two of those wings, he covered his face out of shame because he was in the glory of the Lord. And he knew that the Lord's presence is far greater than any messenger. The Lord's presence is far greater. And, and, and as the Lord's presence is revealed to us, shame comes over us for how far we fall short to the glory of God. And if that's not enough, with two more of His wings, they covered their feet. Because as we see the way in Christ, we see that the way that we've walked, the way that we've treaded, has not always been glorifying to our Lord. We cover our face in shame. We cover our feet because it's not... Our feet are polluted... All of this shows a preeminence of Christ. All of the messengers are looking up to Christ saying, you're so much greater than we are. And now I've got to go and spread this message. I've got this message that I've got to preach. I've got to tell everyone about Christ. I've got to tell everyone about this King. And that's where the last two with Twain he did fly to preach the everlasting gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and Him crucified and Him raised from the dead and Him reigning as King. That is the message of the gospel. That is the message of those called to preach the gospel. And it's no different in this vision that he sees. And Isaiah, who's being prepared to be one of these messengers, one of these who will go out who will preach the gospel. He's being prepared to show where His rightful place is. Where the place is Christ exalted. And that's what's being revealed to them. And they cried one to another in verse 3, and they said, Holy, holy, holy. Three holies. Why? Because of the perfection of the Trinity. Holy Father, Holy Son, and Holy Ghost. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. Holiness is what He is known of. Holiness is one thing that, that we, we're told as He is holy, we are to be holy. How can we be holy? We're holy only in Christ. We're holy by Christ. We're holy in His holiness. We're the bride of this great groom who prepares the bride and we're the body of this head that's holy. And I, I think I, there's no greater example of God's holiness in the Scriptures of how holy the Father is 
when Christ was made sin, that He could not look upon His own Son who took upon Him the sins of His people. That's how holy and just God is. We can't get to that knowledge because we're so fallen. We have that part in us that reviles, that part in us that hates, that part in us that complains, that sinful part that always puts man first. And always covers his sin. And always makes light of sin. And always says, well, it's not that bad. That's not Christ in you. Christ in you says, thou art the man. Christ in you says, that, that sin is worthy of death. But I have covered that sin with my blood. He reveals the cruelness and the, the horrificness of sin. And that reveals and shows the holiness of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. And the post of the door moved at the voice of Him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. So we have this vision of Christ reigning upon His throne. And we have these messengers who are speaking about the glory of Christ. And as the, as the Holy Spirit reveals us Christ, we hear His voice. We hear Him reigning. We hear Christ is everything. Christ is life. And that vision, and that power of Christ, and that manifestation of Christ in the soul produces verse 5. Because now the spotlight, if you will, goes back to Isaiah. Where the spotlight has been off. It's on Christ who's reigning and now as the heavens are opened, as the soul of Isaiah has been opened, as it's been pierced, as he's seen his sorrow, and as his sorrow is now turned to see this great glory of Christ reigning, this is what it produced. There is not a flippantness for sin. There is not a giddiness for God. There is a holy reverence the Lord has revealed Himself to Isaiah and all Isaiah can say is woe is me. Damned am I. Cursed am I. That's what woe means. That's what I am. When I see the fullness of the glory of Christ and I see what I am, I know what I deserve. That's what the Lord reveals. You have sinned against this holy Christ. You have sinned against the Holy Father. You have sinned against the Holy Ghost. And the producing of that is a wretched crying out, Woe is me! And that's not all. I am undone. For I am undone. I'm lost. I'm wicked. I'm the one that's deceitful. When the Lord reveals Himself, we see ourselves as what we are. My question at the end of this sermon, my question at the meaning, in middle of this sermon, is have you seen Christ this way? Has Christ revealed Himself in such a glorious manner that He's laid you at His feet and bared you open to show you what a filthy worm you are? 
to show you what a ball of filth you are in His presence. Because that is the beginning of Christ revealing Himself in your soul. And every one of His children go through this in some measure or another. Every one of them must see Christ lifted up. Because if you don't, your voice and your testimony will be God is my co-pilot. Christ is my... i got to obey because Christ told me to obey. Your co-authorship of salvation is because you have not seen Christ reigning in your life. And you have not been revealed the depth of your depravity. The depth of what we are without Christ. It's not just a woe. It's a woe is me. I am undone because I am a man of unclean lips. This is a prophet of God who has spoken of God all his life up to this point. And he says, everything that comes out of my mouth is filth. Because as Jesus said, what proceeds out of the heart is what defines a man. And my heart, as well as Isaiah's heart, has wickedness in it. And so yes, I can say, my lips are filthy. Who can't say that? that has been revealed Christ. To be, to, to, to be shown the holiness. To be shown the goodness of God. And how great and how depth, the depth of His grace and mercy. And then to go sin against that again. And to sin against it again. Woe is me, for I am undone. When Jesus Christ revealed Himself to Job, Job said this in Job 40, verse 4. He said, Behold, I am vile. Woe is me, I am undone. Behold, I am vile. I am disgusting. What shall I answer thee, Lord? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. I'm unworthy to speak. That's what Isaiah said. I can't speak. Daniel, when the Lord Jesus Christ revealed Himself as the Christ of Daniel. Daniel said in Daniel 10.8, Therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision and there remained no strength in me. When Christ revealed Himself to Daniel, Daniel was laid down upon in the dust and he had no strength left in him. Daniel was a great prophet. But listen to how this ends. For my comeliness was turned in, in me into corruption. All the comeliness and things that I said in my life that I, that I thought were accolades to me, things that I'd done for God, my prophesying of Jesus and my prophesying of God, when the Lord gave me a vision of Him, all of those things became not so good. To put it in His words, they became corruption. Why? Why? Because in all of those things that had happened in the prophets' lives, they saw themselves. I understand that. I understand what it's like to preach a gospel message and to go back a day later and say, wow, that was a good message. Lord, destroy that in me. That ain't me. 
It's Him. This is how He speaks to it. That comeliness is corruption. But how do you get there? The vision of Christ in your soul. Everything compared to Him. Everything I've ever done. Everything I ever will be. And everything I was. Pales is nothing. Is corruption compared to Christ. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Christ's work. Everything else will be consumed. The dross will be consumed in the fire. Our God is a consuming fire. He is faithful to consume that which is not pleasing to Him. That's what Daniel said. That's what Job said. For my comeliness was turned to me into corruption and I retained no strength. I'm emptied. Emptied low. Emptied. Lord, I'm nothing unless You lift me up and You fill me with Thy Gospel. I have no words to say. I'm too unworthy to speak. Peter, when the Lord told him to cast his nets on the, after they'd been fishing all night and, and they had caught nothing and then the Lord told him to cast their nets on the other side and they caught all those fish, Peter said in Luke 5.8, when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When the Lord reveals the power of Himself, we are revealed ourselves. Sinful. Sinful men in His presence. And it's no different for this one. This one that will write as Isaiah is the most quoted book in all of the New Testament other than the Psalms. It is, it, is, it is deemed the gospel of Isaiah because Christ is all the way through it. Christ used the words of Isaiah many times. But Isaiah had to be emptied. Isaiah had to see Christ. Isaiah had to be readied to speak. Isaiah had, had to see this vision. And that vision led to who He really was and who He really is. We can dress up a pig all we want. And that pig's going to go back to the mire. At least that's what the Bible tells us. I'm a man of unclean lips, but that's not it. See, this next phrase, He looked around Him. This is so important. I dwelled in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Why is that significant? Because all his life he looked up to Uzziah. All his life he put Uzziah on a pedestal. And when the Lord Jesus Christ reveals Himself, He shows you everyone around you are sinners. Everyone around you are in the same boat you are. Sinners undone, unclean. That's what He shows you. That's what He shows you. That's, that's why that idolatry is broken. That's what Jesus said. I, I came to put variance. I came to set the mother against the daughter, the father against the son, the mother-in-law against the daughter. Why? He has preeminence. He must reign supremely in the souls of His people. He is the Lord, King of kings, Lord of lords. 
And so he said, I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. I've seen Him now. I've seen Him. And in comparison to Him, I look around me and I see all sinners now. I see all unclean people. Everything that comes out of man's mouth, I see now is tainted. I must hear from the shepherd. I must hear his voice. But I want you to understand that in the depth of the gospel and what we're seeing today, the Lord does not leave his people there. He doesn't leave them without an application of blood. He doesn't leave them without bathing them in that fountain that is open for sin. And that's where we go now. Then flew one of those seraphims, one of those ministers, one of those messengers unto me having a live coal in his hand. He went and he took that live coal. Now look and see where he got it. Which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. The altar is always a picture of Christ. Christ is our sacrifice. Christ is the altar. In order for this one or anyone to go forward and to preach the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, his mouth must be anointed with Christ. With Christ. By Christ. It's not a formal vote. It's not people getting together saying, hey, we want you to be the preacher. It's not a formal get up here and talk and just let's talk about things. It's an anointing. And I think we know that. I think we've all lived long enough to hear the difference. So now this messenger comes with the coal and he takes it and he drops it upon the... the, Well, we haven't got there yet. And he laid it upon my mouth, verse 7, and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin is purged. There it is. That's what I said. When the Lord reveals the wretchedness of yourself, He reveals the sacrifice that has been made on your behalf. He reveals that that sin has been paid for. That sin has been nailed on the tree. The blood of the Son has now covered that sin. So He reveals to us the presence of Christ in us. The healing balm of the blood of Christ. Paul said it this way in Hebrews 9.14 How much more shall the blood of Christ who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. That's what's taking place in His life. He's being purged. His conscience is being purged. It's being purged by the blood of the Lamb. And the Lord is applying that blood saying, You are forgiven. Yes, that is who you are without me. But in me, in me, I don't see that sin. My Father does not see that sin. That sin has been put away. That sin has been covered by my blood. It is the price has been paid for it. And never, never will payment be required again. Never. You don't owe anything to the law. He fulfilled the law. 
You don't owe anything to any sacrifice or any because He is the perfect sacrifice. And He bathes the child of God in that blood over and over and over again in our souls to show us we're forgiven. To show us, yes, yes I am undone. Yes, my lips are filthy. But Lord, when You take that away, I'm whole again. I'm washed and I'm ready to serve. I'm ready, Lord, for You. I'm ready for... And and whose work is that? It's His work. That's what Isaiah saw. That's what he saw. He saw Christ reigning. He saw Himself for what He was. And then He was revealed the power of the blood. The power of Christ's sacrifice. The power of that King. The power of the Lamb. Now that we've seen what He saw, we need to talk a little bit about what He heard. Also. Also means that vision's over. Because no longer is He looking He's now hearing. Seems like a very powerful time in Isaiah's life. This is something we all need to hear. But I want to see where he heard it from. And also I heard the voice of the Lord. This isn't the voice of the seraphim anymore. He heard the voice of the Lord. Saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Who is us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. Who will go? Who will go and lay down His life? Who will go in this plan of salvation? Who will go? Isaiah hears the plan of salvation as the heavens are open. He's been revealed Christ. And what he hears now is the triune God speaking among themselves. It says, Who will go? Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I. That's not the voice of Isaiah. Remember, he heard this. This is the voice of Christ. The same one that he just saw reigning. The same one that's high and lifted up. The one who said, I will go. Send me. Here I am. Here am I. Send me. I will go and die for my people. Greater love has no man than a man lay down his life for his friends. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Jesus came on a mission from the triune God. To come to reveal Himself to live and to die and to rise again in a perfect salvation for His people. Isaiah saw it 700 years before. The Lord revealed it to him. We see it now by the same thing. 
I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Now hold your finger there a minute and just turn over to Isaiah 40. Just so we know that he's talking about Christ. I want you to read Isaiah 42. I'm sorry, 42. We'll read the first eight verses. These are messianic. Isaiah is speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect in whom my soul delighteth. I have put my spirit upon him. This is the Father speaking of the Son. He shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not cry, nor lift up, nor cause his voice to be heard in the street. A bruised reed shall he not break, and a smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. He shall not fail nor be discouraged till he have set judgment in the earth. We're going to read more about that again in a minute. And the isles shall wait for his law. Thus saith God the Lord, He that created the heavens and stretched them out, He that spread forth the earth and that which cometh out of it, He that giveth breath unto the people upon it, and spirit to them that walk therein. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. Our covenant is Christ. Our covenant keeper. Our covenant maker. To open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison. That prison we talked about today is the prison of sin. The prison of, that sin keeps us in. Because when the Lord reveals to us what we've done against Him, that bondage is such... Oh, If you know anything about it, you know it can be days you sit in that bondage. No freedom. Can't see nothing. Woe is me. But when He sets you captive, when He sets you free, sets the captive free, He brings the prisoners from the prison and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. I am the Lord. That is My name. And My glory will I not give to another. Neither My praise to graven images. That's what he revealed to Isaiah. That's the same Isaiah that would write later. He saw Christ as life and he saw Christ as the Lord and he saw Christ as King. What about you and I today? Now the rest of this chapter is mentioned in all four of the Gospels. All four of the Gospels, Jesus says this Himself as He is the fulfillment of this. He is the fulfillment of this prophecy. So we know that verse 8 is talking about Christ because the rest of this, He said, And He said, Go and tell this people, Hear ye indeed, but understand not. And see ye indeed, but perceive not. Make the heart of this people fat, and make their eyes heavy, and shut their eyes, lest they see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and convert and be healed. Wow, what a message. 
And we know that to be true. When Jesus said that as I that come to speak this message, He was rejected of men. He was rejected by family. He was rejected by all those that, that all those in the religious world. He was scorned. He was ridiculed. He was made fun of. He was called a devil. He was called a drunk. All because He preached the Gospel. All because He revealed who He was. I and the Father are one. Go and make those hearts fat. Go and speak everything. That's the thing. And that's, that's the hard part. A messenger of God wants the message, wants the message of the gospel to hit its mark. Really, really do. Wants the soul to be fed. Wants the soul to be awakened. Wants the soul to see Christ reigning. But it's not always the case. And hearing the totality of Christ in everything and Christ is life makes man angry makes him hardened, makes him bitter, makes him say, I won't have that one to reign over me. I will have a part in my salvation. I'll say whether I choose Him. Lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and convert and be healed. And then the question that I think we all utter at times. I know I do when I when I see things in myself, when I see things in this country, when I see things seem to be getting worse and worse, then said I, Lord, how long? How long? How long do we preach the Gospel, Lord? How long do we tell men about Jesus? Do we change our message? Do we convert our message and say, let's make it more palatable to people because the numbers aren't here, because we're not getting thousands? We're not. Do we change it to go with the times? Do we make it a different Lord? How long, Lord? How long do we keep saying the same thing? How long do we preach Christ? Isn't it getting old to the people? Then said, I, Lord, how long? And he answered, until the cities be wasted, without inhabitant and the houses without man, and the land be utterly desolate. And the Lord have removed men far away, and there be a great forsaking in the midst of the land. Now we have seen this throughout many of the ages. We've seen, at this time, we've seen the Babylonian captivity, we've seen the Assyrian captivity, we've seen 70 AD, we've seen many things in our history, more modern. How long, Lord? And the Lord says, till I'm done. How long, Lord? How long do we proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, as long as you have breath. And you know why? You know why? Because of verse 13. But yet, in it shall be a tenth. And it shall return and shall be eaten. As a teal tree and as an oak whose substance is in them when they cast their leaves. So the holy seed shall be the substance thereof. Always has His people. And His people need to hear the Gospel. 
And the holy seed that is Christ fills his people. And the people will hear the voice of the shepherd. What a vision. What a vision. He saw Christ revealed as king. He saw himself undone. He saw himself as nothing. He saw Christ as the one who would go and provide salvation for his people only. He saw Christ, the, the, the speaker of the gospel, and that that gospel would be preserved for his people throughout all the ages. To him be all glory. O Lord, add thy power, add thy clarity, for thy name's sake. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen.